Hey there, yellow chicken nuggets. It's me, Carl. Welcome to camp, or retreat, or whatever you call it. I just have a couple rules to go over with you guys. Well, just one rule. Rule number one, have fun, and that's it. Just having fun at camp. There are no rules. Well, I mean, just the one rule, having fun. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to What's the Wi-Fi Password? The message you're about to listen to is from our 2020 high school winter camp at Mount Hermon. This was an awesome weekend full of shenanigans, teachings, and community with other churches across California. Hope you enjoyed. Alright, chickadees, uh, turn to John 15. John 15 as we finish this. This awesome weekend, man, how stinking cool. <laughs> All right, I know you're tired. I know it's been a long, long four days. I know probably last night was the latest most of you stayed up. Um, I know it was for me. I went to bed with a belly full of pizza. Thank you, my junior and senior guys. That was fun. It was good. Um, it was nice. It was good. It's good being the youth pastor, having all the power. I like it. Church credit card, it's good. Um, all right, so, so John 15, as we continue through this heart of seeking Christ, seeking Jesus through his statements of talking about who he is, describing what he's about and describing like, what his heart is, his passion, his calling, his mission on earth. And as we've been going through these I am statements from Friday night to this morning, uh, my hope, my prayer, I know it's the same for your youth pastors, is that you would leave this place with more of an understanding of who Jesus is. You would have more of a relationship, more of a desire and urging to, to know him and to want to, to, to be more of his friend, to, to, to call him a good shepherd, to take from him as he is the bread of life, to, to come out of darkness as he says, I am the light of the world. That as, as he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that you are not deceived by counterfeits, but you know the real thing. Our heart is that you would know this real Jesus and, and come away from a, a four-day weekend like this, and it's just four days out of 365, that you would just know so much more and be so much more grounded in who Jesus is to you and who you are to him. And that's the hope. That's the prayer here. And so coming up here and wanting to teach on this specific I am statement, I am the true vine, uh, finishing this weekend, um, when I think of a vine, when I think of a tree, um, it's a special thing. It really is. Actually, when you look at Scripture, it's actually the third most mentioned thing in the Bible are trees. They really are. You have God, you have man, and you have trees. And they hold a special place within the Word of God, even from the book of Genesis, what is described. A tree of life, a tree of good and evil. As we end the Bible in, in Revelation chapter 22, I believe, it's the idea that, that it, we end in the garden, right? We end in the garden with this river flowing next to the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. It's this idea then, this, this, this imagery of trees and vines where, where as they grow and mature, they, they become something great where this acorn, this little nut, has to go into the ground and physically, like literally has to die to then become life again and grow and becomes this massive, enormous, ominous black oak tree. 
I mean, it's a beautiful symbolism of what God is doing in you and I. And even a weekend like this, that maybe this weekend hasn't like changed everything. Maybe you didn't have this impact where it's just like, yeah, I'm dropping everything when I go home and, and I'm just serving Jesus. I'm going to become a missionary in Africa, which really isn't going to happen. And, and let's speak frankly, more than likely you came here with some issues and some struggles and some sins and the sins are there when you get home. The struggles are there. But see, if you look at a weekend like this at one point of growth in your life, where you came here growing, you came to this point, you got information and wisdom and you, you, you sought out Jesus a little bit more than you usually do, it's another point of growth in the full span of your life as you become what God is making you to be. It's a beautiful picture. And so I want to share with you this morning, before we get into the, the scripture a little bit, a little bit of my testimony. And so I wrote out about 15 things that, that I, can, I was thinking this morning of, of things that kind of impacted me through my life, that kind of shaped who I am today. I'll be 35 this year, right? And so I, I, I'm feeling older. Every year I do these camps, I'm feeling a little bit older. Thank you, Haji, for being here. Um, so... <laughs> But the idea is like, like, it's these points in life that brought me to where I am today, and I want to share these with you. So the first one I can remember is at age eight, right, when my mom caught my biological dad cheating. I know it's heavy, but I remember it so vividly. I was in the car with my mom, this little, this little beater Honda Accord, my little brother and little sister in the back seat. There were no car seats in those days. I remember just sitting in the front seat, and my mom knew my dad was cheating, and so we pulled into this movie theater, and Back then, Auburn, California had like four or five movie theaters, and we pulled in this parking spot. She had her headlights off, and man, I'll never forget it, man. My, my biological dad pulled up in his red Toyota pickup truck. He had a bottle of Jack Daniels on the hood, and when my mom clicked on the lights, there was a blonde in the passenger seat. It was like, it was, I was like eight years old, and I remember that so vividly. Another one was in age nine, when my biological dad left. They got a divorce, and he just took off. He was gone. But that was something in my life, that was a point that I remember that, that started shaping who I am. Also at age nine, I, I first realized that, man, if I cuss, people listen. <laughs> my mom was dating this guy, this guy named Brent. I don't know if there's any Brents in the room, but that, that's just, I just don't like the name Brent. I don't know, maybe because of this instance, but like, if you're named Brent, I love you, but don't name your kid Brent. Um, <laughs> this guy was, you know, he even had a mullet, <laughs> like seriously, like, and he thought it was cool. Yeah, and so I didn't like this guy. He had a couple older kids I didn't really like, and we went over to, to his house, and it was snowing, and, and he wanted me to come out and play, and I was just like, nope, I'm sitting in the back seat, this little nine-year-old, this little stubborn blonde-head Josh, and he reaches in to grab me, and I scooted to the other side of the car, and he went to grab me, and this string of cuss words and profanities and, and just like, like just insults came out of this nine-year-old's mouth that should not be so. And I, re- and I looked at his face, and I remember so vividly at nine years old going, oh, that's what those are for. Because he, like, he gets it. He gets what I'm saying here. Hmm. <laughs> what? What happened? He, he left me alone? I don't know. I'm not, we're not talking about that. <laughs> uh, uh, around that time, because of just the things and situations going on in my life, I was angry. And I realized if I could throw a rock through a window, people would listen. I realized at that young age, like, if no one's listening to me, no one cares about me, I'm going to make them care. So I realized if I threw rocks through windows, people would listen and pay attention to me. At age 10, that was the moment that I came, in, that I came into my head that I was white trash and I was no good. I remember that just like it was yesterday, that, that thought in my head, like, I'm white trash. That's just what I am. 
Around that time, pornography grew roots in my life. I was exposed to it through pornography magazines, and, and that, that grew roots and, and embedded itself in me for a long time in my life. There was a day when I was about 10 also, when, when the man that would actually become my stepdad came into my life. He, he took my mom on, on their first date, and subsequently, it was actually the, day, the first day of my mom's sobriety. She was 24 hours clean and sober on their first date. And by God's grace, she's got 26 years now. Yeah. At 12, I came to the moment when I realized that my biological dad was a drug addict, that he loved that substance, that that addiction more than me or my brother and my sister, more than life itself, and that he would do anything and give up anything to get that high. At 13, I went to a Christian concert that a friend invited me to, and I accepted Jesus. I had no idea what that was about. I had no idea what was going on, but I was invited to a concert, and so I went forward, and I accepted this Jesus that told me that you are worth something. Not long after my salvation in Jesus came the day that my biological dad offered me drugs for the first time. I'll never forget that. He sat me down and said, you're becoming a young man. It's time for you to participate in what we do. He was also a drug dealer, and so the idea that came in my head was like, no, this is not what I am. I'm in Jesus now. Even at that young age, even so new in my Christian faith, I said no, and I didn't see my biological dad again until I was 19. At 16, I got my driver's license. Oh, I'm sorry, at 15, I went to a winter camp a lot like this. Right? I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I cried and I cried, and I knew that the working of God was real, and I felt the call to ministry, and I've never looked back. That has been my call since 15 for the last 20 years. At 16, I got my driver's license. I also started my first business, splitting wood for people. Around that same time was the first time I was ever detained and handcuffed in the back of my truck by a police officer. (laughs) They let me go with a warning, though. (laughs) At this age, I realized my love for youth group and being with other believers who wanted to know Jesus more. At 16 years old, I just knew. I went to a public school my whole life, had public school friends. We did all the things that public school guys do. And at this age, I was, no. I was just like, I don't want to be with these guys anymore. And I made the choice to go to a Christian school. It wasn't perfect, but I wanted to be around Christians. I wanted to be around guys and girls that wanted to know Jesus. At 17, I got my first kiss from a girl. Yeah, she was a, she was a senior in high school. I was a junior. Scared the crud out of me. <laughs> the day I turned 18 was the, first, it was the day I got my first tattoo. It's, uh, it's Hebrew on the back of my leg. It says servant or bondservant. I made many mistakes between the ages of tw- uh, 18 to 21. Some of those choices still haunt me today and still sit with guilt. We're not going to talk about those. August 2005, step- I stepped into my first youth ministry like position. August 2005, it was so long ago. It was a little, little Wednesday night church. I had like four kids right? And I'm teaching out of First John, and I'm telling them how much Jesus loves them. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm this like awesome youth pastor. I'm like, I love you. I would do anything for you. And the pastor's daughter goes, really? Boom, and kicks me in the shin as hard as she could. And I went, I, I was jaw dropped. And then this other middle schooler thought it was hilarious. So he got up and kicked me in the other shin. I'm not joking. I dropped my Bible and I said, screw youth ministry. I'm out of here. I'm done. That was my first youth ministry experience. 
Along with that time, I, um, one of the first men that truly discipled me, Mike Guthrie, came into my life and is still today one of my, my spiritual fathers. Hey, you Newcastle guys knew who Mike Guthrie is. Yeah. <laughs> mm. May 5th, 2007 was the day that this beautiful, where she had this beautiful woman said yes to being my wife. On December 28, 2007, that was the day my little bug was born, little Eliana. On July 12, 2009, my little man came roaring into the world, little Seth. Yeah. <laughs> also in July of 2009, the Shiveleys were a part of a church plant called Calvary Newcastle, where I eventually started running the youth group, and, and that was just such a huge part of growing in our life. 2010, I was 25. The truth arose that my, the man I called dad, my stepdad, was actually living a completely different life. He was a sex addict, he was having affairs, he was lying. Here I am, this 25-year-old man with a wife and two kids, we own a home, I've got this career job, I'm in ministry, and this whole truth comes out about the man that I called dad, the man I took his last name. I was born a Reeves, and I took his last name as Shively. The truth came out, he couldn't handle it, and he took off, and it broke my heart. Honestly, guys, I don't know if I fully recovered from that yet. On April 1st, April 1st, April Fool's Day, 2013, the Shivelys took the call to ministry. We sold everything we had, we packed up a U-Haul, and we moved down to Santa Cruz from Auburn, California. I started working at the downtown Trader Joe's, going, God, what did you just do to us? In August 2017, God opened the door for me to be full-time at Calvary Monterey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They ordained me, they made me a pastor, and God used that to cement in me a calling that will be the rest of my life. Now, 2020 to whenever I die, God will keep doing this in my life. He'll keep bringing these moments, and he'll keep making these points of contact that, that change and shape who I am. Now, speaking of that and going through that, let's open up to John 15, verse 1. John 15, verse 1. What happened? John 15, sorry guys, John 15, verse 1. It's our tech guy, Bernard. I'll get on later. Bernard, Bart, Bernard dog. All right, John 15, 1. Jesus says in this sermon, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now this is just a part of this little sermon that Jesus gives from verse 1 down to verse 16. But I want to kind of meditate and kind of hover over these first six verses. Jesus gives us this description of a vine, of branches, of this vine dresser. It really is something that would have been very prevalent to the first century church, but I think, I, I think continues to speak volumes to you and I today. It should. So to break this down a little bit, as Jesus describes it, 
he says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. So I want you to picture for me for a minute, and we live in California. You've seen a, a grape vineyard. You've seen a grape, you know, um, a wine vineyard. You've seen grapes for miles, and you kind of see how they grow. It's very similar. They don't change much from vineyard to vineyard. There's a very precise way to grow grapes and, and to make them mature and to make them produce the, the most amount of fruit. So if you picture with me, you have this stalk that comes out of the ground and comes very straight. They make sure it, it comes up straight at 90 degree angle. And it comes up and it, it kind of hits the, the wires. And you look at that main stalk that goes, that goes from the wires where the branches go out to the ground. And that's the vine. That's the, the true vine. Now, what does that do? It supports. It gathers up nutrients. It, 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 it keeps itself healthy because if that true vine, if that vine does not stay healthy, does not stay true, does not stay, continue to, to soak up those nutrients, everything else is lost. So as Jesus says, I am the true vine, and we look at that grape, that grape orchard, that grape plant, that grape vine, we see the stalk, and we see everything that it means for the entire plant. And as a grape vine matures, as it grows, as it, as it reaches maturity, you look at those stalks, and sometimes they're six to ten inches in diameter, and they're, they're strong. The roots go deep. They're healthy. There's no bugs on it. There's no fungus. There's nothing that's corrupting it or causing it to decay. It's doing exactly what it's meant to do. And Jesus says, I am that true vine. I am the one supporting, he says. I'm the one drawing up nutrients. I'm the one feeding the rest of this plant. It's life force, it's sap, it's life blood. Continue with this description, he says, you are the branches. You are the branches. Now that's us, guys. That's his church. That's you and I as Christians. That's you and I who have said, yes, Jesus, I, I love you too. Yes, Jesus, I accept that you are the good shepherd. Yes, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, Jesus, you are the bread of life. I need you. I need you like a double-double. I, I need you. So as Jesus is this true vine that supports and draws nutrients, we are the branches that go out from it. And we are nothing without that vine. Now this picture, this, this idea of these branches going out, they have one purpose. They have one purpose. Their purpose is to bear fruit. That is their purpose. Their purpose is to stay connected to that vine, that true vine, and to bear fruit. Now the third character in this narrative is the vine dresser. Now this is God the Father. This is our good, good Father. And just like that, our good, good Father, a good, healthy, wise vine dresser, will come up to any grape plant, come up to any grape vine and know what it needs. It, know what, it knows what it needs in every season, whether it's a season of harvest, whether it's a season of pruning, whether it's a season of, of letting it grow without harvesting so it, it contains those nutrients, whether it's a season of completely cutting back because there's gonna be a freeze that year. That wise, good, like knowledgeable vine dresser knows exactly what that vine needs. Now let's meditate on this for a minute. As you look at this grape plant, it doesn't just grow like that naturally, does it? No. You look at a wild grapevine, it just kind of goes everywhere. It does. You can plant one next to a fence and it'll climb and it'll do its thing and it'll be really pretty, but more than likely it won't have much fruit. More than likely it won't have much bearing in it. You may find a couple little grape clusters, but they'll be tiny, kind of sour. They won't be like, like the big old fat grapes that you find in like the grocery store. 
So for it to do exactly what that vine dresser wants to do, for it to do exactly what it needs to do to grow all that fruit, there has to be someone moving it and shaping it. There has to be someone like being intimate in its life so that it can do exactly what it's meant to do. So when that vine dresser comes up to that plant, the first thing it does, and I looked this up, it's pretty amazing. First thing it does is it checks the base. It makes sure that that true vine is, is sturdy, make sure there's no rot or fungus around the, 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 the roots of it, make sure there's no bugs or any type of, of, any type of invader that would, would compromise that plant. And it makes sure that the, the, the beginning of it, the foundation of it is true and sure. As he goes up the stalk, he starts to look at the branch. He'll take each individual branch as they come. It's not just one whole plant to this vine dresser, but he takes each individual one. And the vine dresser will actually take the vine and work his hand down it. And if it's a season where harvest is coming and it should be to producing, plant, producing fruit, he'll watch it and he'll look at it. And maybe he'll see a, a vine that's not producing as much fruit. As Jesus says here in verse, in verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Another translation of this is that not just he takes away, but he moves. And that good vine dresser will look at that vine that said, and he'll say, man, it's not producing as much fruit. Maybe he'll kind of bend it out and, and move it to where it's getting more sun. It's not as shaded from the, other plant, from the other vines and it's getting more sun, it's getting more nutrients so that it'll bear more fruit. Now that vine doesn't want to move, don't get me wrong. That vine likes the path it chose. A vine will naturally choose the path of least resistance like many of us will. But see that vine dresser knows like you're not healthy there. And so that vine dresser comes over and starts moving it starts to move it exactly where it needs to go. And that vine may fight. It's, it's grown little, little, I can't remember, oh shoot, the name of it, little tentacles <laughs> that kind of wrap around the fence and the wire, right? And it grows these little, these, little, these little handles in a sense so it doesn't have to move, so it's sturdy. That vine dresser will clip those off and he'll move it and he'll even come to the point where he takes that vine and he'll crack it. But he'll crack it just enough to where it'll move, where it'll be flexible, where it will go where he knows it needs to go, but it won't break it off. It won't wound it to the point that it's done, that it's dead, that it's no longer good, but he'll move it, he'll crack it just, just enough to where it goes where it needs to go so it's healthy and it produces fruit. Now this vine dresser is also wise and, and as he's working his way down these branches, he sees things that are unhealthy. He sees dead, dead branches and dead parts of that vine. He sees fungus. He sees maybe something that's infected. And you know what that vine dresser does? He cuts it off. He cuts those things off. He cuts off things that will, will jeopardize the health of that plant. Now guys, this is a good, wise vine dresser and it, it's all for the purpose of producing good fruit. Now, you're all smart little Christians in here, right? You get the comparison. You get what I'm saying. That your life, who you are in Christ, you are one of those branches connected to Jesus. And our good heavenly father, he looks at you individually. Even though he sees us as the body of Christ, even though he sees us as a group of Christians, even though he sees us as the bride of his savior, his son, he sees you individually and he works your life he works his hand down your life, moving you and shaping you, cracking you a little bit to put you where you need to go, cutting out the dead and the fungus and the things that will harm you and jeopardize the path and the plan he has for you. For your job, my job is to produce good fruit. Now, Josh, what is this fruit? I'm not a grapevine. 
I'm not producing grapes over here, Josh. What's the fruit? The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, guys. It's looking at Jesus. It's looking at these I am statements, seeing his character, seeing how he loved, seeing how he moved, how he interacted with people, how he was of God's work of a kingdom mindset and going, I want fruit like that. I want a life like that. God, make me more like Jesus. And God goes, I am. Even when you don't see it, I am. I'm moving you. I'm shaping you. I'm breaking you. I'm cracking you. And that hurts. I know it hurts, but it's for your betterment. I'm cutting out those friends that are, are no good for you. I'm taking away that relationship that's going to pull you away from me. I'm putting you where you're going to get more nutrients. I may even take you completely out of that cluster, as it were, where those pe- you're like, no, those people were good. They were producing fruit. And God says, I know, but I want you to produce fruit over here now. See, God does all those things in our life so that we would produce fruit like Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Self-control. <laughs> Did I miss one? Gentleness. Gentleness. <laughs> we produce those things. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the things that we are to produce like Jesus, you guys. And little Christians, let me tell you something. You are in this place. You are part of this vine. You are attached to the true vine who is Jesus. And you are one of those branches off of it. And God is working in you. If you can stand here today and say, yes, Jesus is my savior. Not just click the box, not just like, yeah, hashtag Jesus. Like, it's your, he's your savior. If you can say that today, then you are a part of this true vine. You are a branch that is producing fruit and God is moving and shaping you. Do not take that for granted. Do not be misunderstood. That is truth. There is not one of you in this room who says Jesus is my savior who is not connected to that vine. And there is not one of you in this room that God is not doing a work in. Even if this whole weekend has been a struggle for you, you're like, I am a Christian, but I just don't get this. This is hard. I don't like singing loud. I don't like all the teachings. Yeah, I like the Jesus guy and he is my savior, but this is hard. That's just a part of your sanctification. That's just a part of where God has you and as you grow in the spiritual formation. And that's okay. Some of you in this room are producing tons of fruit. You go to public schools, you talk to non-Christians, your life is just this abundance right now of fruit. And some of you are in here going, man, I'm barely a sucker. I, I can't, I, I'm trying to produce one grape. It's hard, Josh. I get it. But see, the, I don't just get it. Your youth pastor doesn't just get it. Heavenly Father, the good vine dresser gets it. Now I'm shouting like this and I'm being serious because you guys, I want you to get this because you're gonna go back home to the filth of this world. You're gonna go home, back home to all the social media, all the relationships, all the temptations that are out there. You're gonna go home to all the distractions and all the things that, that take you away from a weekend like this. And it's all gonna be there again. You're gonna forget and it's gonna be hard to remember how close you, you were to Jesus in a weekend like this, how much you realized and how much how, the touch you felt of God. But see, I don't want you to forget that. That even in that moment where you're like, man, did, I, that, did that weekend even happen? Did I even, even feel anything? I want you to remember that you are a part of that vine. In this little sermon, Jesus uses the word abide 11 times. Now this word abide is just special. And for Jesus to use it 11 times, we better listen to it. And it kind of means in its simplest form to put down roots, to set up shop, to reside in. 
And as Jesus says this, that you abide in me and I in you, and we look at this vine, the fact is it's one plant. And even if a branch has to be cut off, it hurts the entire thing. It feels it. And as we abide in Jesus, he abides in us. Now, as Jesus finishes this sermon, and for time's sake, we're not going to read the whole thing, but the idea he says, he says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask the Father whatever you want he'll, he'll give to you. You'll live a life of abundance. You'll live a life as your passions and your desires for the Lord are fulfilled. He also says that your joy may be full. How many of us want joy each day? And then he said that you will bear much fruit. So you guys, if we did a little comparison and we asked, and I asked, or we said, can I abide at In-N-Out? <laughs> Maybe for a while, but to set up shop there? No, nah, man, that, that ain't gonna last forever. Can I abide on social media? We all know how that goes. We start scrolling five, 10, 15, two hours later. We're like, oh my gosh, where did that just go? We can't abide in a, in a, in a sexual relationship before we're married. That, that's not gonna take us anywhere. That's not gonna bear good fruit. You guys, I can't even abide, just abide in a godly marriage because that right there, I can't always sustain her and she can't always sustain me. See, as we, we did this comparison with every other thing other than Jesus, you will not be bearing spiritual fruit. You'll be bearing fruit of selfishness. You'll be bearing fruit of, of conceit and, and, and pride and arrogance. Every other thing other than Jesus that you choose to abide in, you guys, it does not produce spiritual fruit. It does not make you more like him. It doesn't. And so as we close this sermon, guys, I would pray, I would ask that you would remember, you would not forget these I am statements, how awesome, how mighty, how powerful, how just stinking cool your Savior is. And that you are a part of that vine. You are attached to him. Because there is a warning in here, guys. At the end of verse six, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire and burned. If you choose to leave a weekend like this where you hear these amazing things and you hear how great Jesus is and how, how much he wants to draw you in and you leave this place with, a, with a, a cold heart, a rock solid heart and you go, nah, that ain't for me. You are choosing to be cut off from the vine. You're choosing to say, I don't wanna be a part of that vine. I'm gonna attach myself somewhere else. And like I said before, there's nothing but death. There's nothing but selfishness. There's nothing but, but separation from God and life and that lifeblood that the vine gives its branches and you are choosing death. And ultimately, you guys, the fact is if someone lives this life attaching itself, abiding itself in other vines and other, other things other than Jesus, they're choosing to live a life of selfishness and that ultimately equals death, which equals hell. And that's just the truth of life, you guys. We get this one life to live and it is a beautiful life. I love life. I absolutely love serving Jesus. As hard and painful it can be, as working with people and how frustrating it can be at times, I still love life. And I love God's creation, this human project that we're all in. But see, if someone chooses to cut off and say, I know I do not want to abide in Jesus. I want to abide in something else. I want to attach myself to something else. I want to rest in something else. They're choosing to be cut off from the vine, which equals to death. Little Christians, there is no greater call than to be attached to that vine and receive life and life to the full, Jesus said. 
There is nothing greater you will do in this life. There is nothing greater that you will receive. And even how hard life can be, how much suffering there can be, and endurance, and patience, and, and per- perseverance, it is still worth it. Every stinking day. Thank you guys so much for being such an awesome group this weekend. You guys, <laughs> thank Jesus. I just want to say I am so proud of every one of you guys. I, you guys came from different places and different, different lives. And, and there are probably all kinds of things going through your hearts and minds through a weekend like this. But I am so proud of every one of you for sitting through these teachings, for loving worship. And even if you, you came with alternative motives and you came to get with this girl or you came to get with that guy or you came to just like get away from problems at home, the fact is you were here you still came. You still showed up. And believe me, God sees that. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.